Hello and welcome to the Trap Game Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ruthop. I'm here with my boy, Chris Smith. How's it going, everybody? All right, guys. Well, the World Series is going on. The Dodgers did make it past the Braves. I am here with possibly the biggest Dodgers fan I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a big Royals fan. I hate the Dodgers, but the Dodgers have been lending me a lot of money, so... Let's just keep that train rolling. Right, right. Um, I mean, you've been hitting on like every time you bet on someone to hit a home run, it just seems to happen. Like even last night, we're watching the game and Randy Arozarena comes up with a 3-2 count. And you called it. You hit the over and the home run Yep. on the same pitch. And I just want to say I called it in the eighth inning because my buddy had the over. I said, listen, if Jansen comes in to close – and Randy comes in up to the plate, he's going to get the home run. And with the 3-2 count, two outs, bottom of the ninth, sure as shit hits a home run for your boy to get the prop bet and get the yeah, over. Absolutely. And I just got to say, like, any time the Dodgers have made the World Series, you always kind of like, you think that either A, the Dodgers, it's like a good team, and the team they're playing is either better than them or about the same. Like, this is the first time I think the Dodgers made the World Series and how many ever times they've made it in the last, like, five years is that they are truly, like, the better team. Like, bar none, like, the Rays maybe have the upper hand in the bullpen, but when you actually, like, watch the game, even that has not been a positive, like, a strong point. Like, the Dodgers' bullpen has just been shutting them down, starting pitching, shutting them down. Like I I see this series going four two, and we're gonna have to suffer through Dodgers fans having a World Series for the first time in thirty something years. Man, L A is gonna go crazy. I mean, the Lakers. Yep. Now the Dodgers are on the cusp of winning it all. The only thing that will stop the Dodgers is the Dodgers themselves. They choke so hard every year. We see it year in year out. Hopefully. This isn't their time to choke again. Hopefully they actually get it, and the Dodgers fans will finally consign relief that they made it with a juggernaut team. An, abs- an absolute juggernaut team, I think, is, like, the thing. Like, one through nine, these guys are just freaking ridiculous. But, you know, we'll see what happens. It's obviously not over yet. The Rays have showed some life a little bit but uh yeah they, they got to win tonight um and we'll see what happens um we are actually currently watching a little college football we get the big 10 back tonight we get the mountain west back tonight college is back in full swing baby ohio state absolutely comes out in their first game trounces i forgot who they played uh, nebraska. nebraska absolutely demolished nebraska nebraska is one of the big teams that wanted to come back and play and i think they might be changing their minds after what happened to them today it was pretty embarrassing um but yeah there's there's just one thing because we are getting into the picks today one big thing that i want to get into also before i get into that we had some ufc fights today khabib comes out dominates again like always the dude is 29 and 0 and officially has retired this guy has been so dominant his entire career. Like, there's literally nothing left for this guy to do. So I'm not really shocked that he did decide to retire. Are you? No, not at all. I mean, like you said, he hasn't been fighting as much recently. And 
why not just quit while you're on top? You know what I mean? How right. much more can you actually go out there and do? You're going to win all these fights, especially if it goes to the ground, being a guy who fucking wrestles bears for fun. Exactly, yeah. So, And it's like, who who could he fight at this point? Like, he already smashed Conor McGregor. He just smashed Justin Gaethje, who's coming off his best performance of, of his career and absolutely dismantling Tony Ferguson. He's beat Dustin Poirier. And those are your top four guys right there. So, like, he literally at this point has nothing left to prove. Good for him. I'm not a huge fan of him just because of everything that went down with Connor. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, I think this is, like, a good thing for Connor because now he won't have to come back and fight him. I know Connor wants that fight, but it'll just be the same thing again. Khabib is way too good of a fighter. Connor doesn't fight enough to make the improvements to beat Khabib. So congratulations to him on the retirement. Congratulations on the win. The dude is an absolute legend in the game. It was fun to watch him um, while he was in the game, but uh, hopefully he enjoys retirement and, you know, can just rake in the money in, in his retirement. But uh, we'll get on to my, my topic that I really wanted to get into is – do we actually believe that Bryson DeChambeau, the scientist of golf, as people like to call him, do we actually believe that this guy is not on fucking steroids? I mean, I didn't know how much he gained weight, but you say 30 pounds. Dude, like the guy left golf, gained 30 pounds, and said he was doing nine protein shakes a day. And he comes back, and before before he came back, he was like middle of the road as far as driving distance goes. This guy leaves, comes back. A- apparently, he just said that he is just hit a 401-yard drive. And that's not even like these long drive, you know, long No, shafts, Th- those guys can't even do it. Like, right. you don't even see those guys hit 400-yard drives. And this guy that was hitting 280-yard drives average has put 120 yards onto his drive? No. Like, this guy needs to get tested. He is definitely on steroids. I don't know if golf even tests for that stuff, but they need to because this guy is cheating. There is no way that this guy isn't cheating. He is 150% on steroids, and you will not be able to convince me otherwise. The Yankees will go out and sign him next year as their next hitter. <laughs> hey, you know what? Let him bring up the let him bring the golf club to the plate, and this dude will just absolutely start mashing. So right. I'll take it. Right. I, I'll take it at this point because all the Yankees do is hit a home run or strike out. And how's that been working out for him the last few years? Not very good. But uh, we will get in to the picks. You know, just kind of wanted to go over that stuff super quickly. Um, get into the main part of the show. So Chris and I finally lost our picks for the week. 0-2. I honestly think we have been getting a little too chalk heavy as far as our super locks have been going. So we're going we're gonna to reset this week. We're going to reset. We're getting back on the horse. We're going to get us some winners. Um, a lot of teams were exposed to be not as good as we thought they were. A lot of teams look better than we thought they were. So knowing that, I think like week seven is about that perfect time to really start hammering stuff because this is a big enough sample size now that you know what teams are bringing to the table every week, 
how their offense is playing, how their defense is playing. So, um, yeah, let's get into it. First game of the week is the Detroit Lions at the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta is minus two. The over-under is 55. I mean, how how are the Falcons still getting this much respect? I mean, I get it. They had a good game. We both kind of said that if they did win it, whenever you lose a head coach, especially one that was as bad as Dan Quinn, stuff might get a little bit easier for them. But Detroit has looked like a decent team. And they're 2-3 and three on the road. Like, it's not like Atlanta is like some foreign team to them. They play them all the time. And it's just like, I cannot see why Detroit is getting two points here. I think this should at least be a pick em. Yeah, as much as I'd like to gloat and say I was right on the Falcons last yeah, week and you weren't, um, yeah, I don't see them being better than the Detroit Lions. Yes, they both suck, and they're 2-3 and three and 1-5, and five, but give giving Atlanta two points, I mean, I don't see it. I think Matt Stafford comes in, makes a statement, honestly, and I'll take the two points all day. I think the Lions are going to win outright. Um the over actually looks very nice because both defense are really bad. Right. And both offenses can score in a flash. So I honestly like the Lions and the over here. So have you kind of noticed like a lot more games are trying to go under? I think like defenses are finally starting to catch their stride a little bit because I did have the over in the Chiefs and Bills games, two teams that are offensive juggernauts and like, yeah, they have good defense, but I don't think they were good enough, at least going into the game, to really stop a high-scoring game. But you're starting to see now teams are finally starting to figure out on the defensive side of the ball a little bit. So I'm going to stay away from overs and unders this week just because I want to see what's going to be going on. Um, it looks like, unfortunately, the Wyoming quarterback just absolutely – I think I think he just had a Dak Prescott kind of thing happen to him, so I hope to God that that didn't happen. Poor freaking kid, man! First game of the season, first drive of the season, like that's just horrible. But I do believe that I do believe that Chris and I are going to be on Detroit here at minus two or plus two. Excuse me, Chris is on the Lions at over 55 and we'll move on the cleveland browns minus three against the cincinnati Bengals. man what an interesting game because i put my neck out i put myself out there defending the browns which is something i thought i would never do in my entire life and they laid an absolute egg they looked so bad that being said I'm back on the Browns at minus three this week. I just, I'm sorry. Like, you tried to give me shit. And, okay, yeah, obviously they had a bad game. I'm not going to deny that. But at the same time, it's like Baker came into it with bad ribs. The kid had no time in the pocket. You watch that game back. He had no time. That kid was getting absolutely demolished all game. So I'm not putting that loss on Baker. I'm putting that loss on the offensive line and the defense not being able to stop anything. So, I mean, the Bengals are not as... I don't think they're particularly 
terrible, but they're also not good. I think this is a good bounce back spot for the Browns, honestly. I was right. I was right. I was right. I was right. That's all I have to say. Last week, he says, Baker this, Baker that, Baker this, Baker that. The Steelers suck. The Steelers haven't played nowhere. Well, guess what? The Steelers came. Actually, the ba- uh, the the Baker Mayfields and the Browns came in and got their shit pushed in by Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. Now, I will agree with you here, though. I'm taking the Browns minus three over the Bengals. I Week in and week out, I just keep like putting faith in Joe Burrow and... And the Bengals are going to show up. They're, I promise they're going to show up. And they just never do. But they're covering games. Like, that's that's a weird thing. Like, we're, we just want them to cover. And now they're getting the respect that the lines aren't as long anymore. And now, like, teams should be able to take advantage of those short lines. And should be able to... I mean, the Browns honestly should be able to wax the floor with the Bengals here. They're going to be upset about what happened last week. I, obviously, a lot of it goes into how healthy is Baker coming into it, but the Bengals' pass rush is not the Steelers' pass rush. And we'll get into the Steelers because I still do – well, they're the next game on the docket, but I still don't think they're a great team, honestly, me. I don't think they're terrible, but I don't think that, you know, they still deserve the respect they're getting. Um, and if you look at it, the Bengals are 4-2 and two against the spread. I think, yeah, like I said, I think this is a week that the Browns should be able to cover, should be able to get the win against a young Bengals team, young Joe Burrow. This is a game I kind of like the over, saying I was going to stay away from overs. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is one that I like already. So... Give me the Browns and give me the over of the 50 and a half. Are you on the Browns here too? I am on the Browns here. I, I think they're just going to run the table on these guys. Honestly. Okay, yep. All right, we'll move on to the Steelers at the Titans. The Titans are minus one and a half. The over under is 51. All right, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Give me the Titans. I like the Titans here. I maybe shouldn't like the Titans here. The Titans had a tough game last week, almost lost. But hey, they're five and zero. They've had a much better schedule than the Steelers. Do you, okay. So, do you still believe, or do you not believe that the Browns are a good team? Because if you believe that the Browns are not a good team, then the Steelers still haven't played anyone good. I won't say the Browns are a good team, but they are a much better team than any other team the Steelers have played. Um, they just have more talent. Of course, they're you know they're four and two, so they're actually putting stuff together. But the Steelers just look so nice. Their defense looks so good. Now they did lose Devin Bush. That's a big blow. We'll see how that impacts, especially during this game when you need that type of run blocking. Um, but I'm going to go against you here. I'm taking the Steelers. The one and a half, it just it doesn't jump out to me for Tennessee. I think that if the Steelers can slow down Henry just a little bit and make Tannehill, even though Tannehill is having a phenomenal year, I think the Steelers can come in and upset this team and give them their first loss in the year. As much as I hate the Steelers because they're always like the kryptonite of the Chiefs, I think they're going to come in and show out here. I mean that's that's a fair point. I I can't really I can't really argue against it. 
But like you said, Ryan Tannehill is just showing out this year. He's having a great year. The Steelers losing Devin Bush, who is probably the centerpiece of the middle of their defense. And then now you have to stack the box against Derrick Henry and you have to go one-on-one pretty much all over the field against Tannehill. I'm sorry. I'm going to stick with Tannehill here. Um, Yeah, I mean, we're going to go on opposite sides again. I just, if, I'll say this right now. If the Steelers win this week, I cannot, I, I can't say anything anymore. Yeah, that's on the record. That's all I want. That's on the record. This is far and away the best team the Steelers are playing. Arguably, Tennessee is one of the best teams in the league this year, at least top five. So if the Steelers win and they and they are able to handle business here. Yeah, like I I won't be able to say anything anymore, but I am on Tennessee this week. Um, We will move on. Carolina minus seven against the Saints. Over under is 50. So I heard something crazy today. I read something crazy on Twitter that apparently the Saints are entertaining trade offers or at least going to listen to trade offers for Michael Thomas. I I mean, this guy kind of seems he seems like a Des Bryant kind of guy, like extremely talented, but just kind of is going to like Des Bryant, Antonio Brown, like the top guys in the league at their at their time. But he just seems like he's going to just keep getting in his own way. Like, he is extremely conceited. You can already see that now. Um, but, yeah, like, to even... And who knows how true it is because sources, you know, who sources are right maybe 20% of the time. But the, the fact that it even gets out there that they're entertaining trade ideas for, you know, who people think is the best wide receiver in the league. Like, he's obviously not good for that locker room. And he's out this week, too. Like, so the guy's not playing. So, I mean, he's absolutely destroyed my fantasy team. Absolutely put it into shambles. I got my first win, by the way. Like, finally, I'm 1-5. in five. The comeback is real. <laughs> but uh, I... Give me the Panthers at the seven points. Again, like, the Panthers aren't a bad team. I don't think they're a bad team, and I think that they'll be able to control the game enough. Um, And and Emmanuel Sanders is out for the Saints, so they're missing their two uh, top receiving weapons. So, yeah, I mean, give me the Panthers plus a seven. This line seems a little off to me. I don't understand. I mean, I guess it's just the Saints on name value why they're getting seven points points here are giving up seven yeah the the saints are actually the biggest dumpster fire i've seen all year with their problems on and off field all their injuries i mean sean payton okay but that's the jets we're talking about the saints who every year are one of the top five favorites to go to the super bowl you know what i mean and and this year not so much um, I'm going to take Carolina with you, plus seven. I don't see the Saints winning this game by more than a touchdown or even a touchdown or even winning. Honestly, with all their weapons out, if Carolina can lock down Alvin Kamara and lock down Cook and you know not let them get tricky with that Taysom Hill bullcrap they'd be playing, I think Carolina can run the ball down their throat with Smith 
and keep this. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think the defense are going to show out here. It's under over 50. I think it's going to be low-scoring, and Carolina will cover the seven without a doubt. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I can't. I can't disagree with anything you said there. We're both on Carolina at the plus seven. Um, Chris does like the o or the under at my uh, fifty. So we will move on to the Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. Buffalo currently is ten point favorites. Um, the over under is forty six. I mean, how Sam Darnold is back, so I at this point in their careers, like I think Sam Darnold's a much better quarterback than Joe Flacco. Um, but I mean, how do you bet? How do, no matter what this spread was, which is, I will say though, that the spread has come down quite a bit. Um, I thought I had seen it open and around like 13 and a half, almost two touchdowns, but um, it's down to 10. I don't, I'm going to just stick with the Bills. Yeah. I I'm just going to stick with the Bills. The Bills might not be as good as we thought they were, you know, but they have played two very good teams back to back. Um uh, with the Chiefs and the Titans. So yeah, I mean, I think this is a really good bounce back game for the Bills at the minus 10. They can easily win this game by two touchdowns. The Jets can't score, they can't stop anything. That's a that's a good, pretty good recipe for a team getting blown out literally every week and they're going to go 0 and 16, I think. And then they're 0-6 against the spread. Like, I haven't even been able to cover a spread yet, let alone win. So, I mean, yeah, this sets up nicely for the Bills. Yeah, after believing them in week two or three when they played the Colts and it was like a 14-point, I thought, okay, they can't be this bad of a football team. No, they are this bad of a football team. I mean, like you said, they haven't covered a spread yet. They're 0-6. The only reason in the entire world I would take them to cover the spreads, and which I'm not, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not, I'm not gonna be part of that meme generation that says, you know, I bet on the Jets again. This is what it got me. It's because it's divisional. Right. You know, weird stuff happens in divisional games all the time. So I probably am gonna stay away from this game, but. I know the Bills would cover the 10. They lost to two good teams back-to-back. They're going to bounce back in a big way. I, You know, uh, Stephon Diggs will probably have like three touchdowns because the Jets' secondary is couldn't swat a fly with a fly swatter. I mean, they're just terrible. So, yeah, give me the Bills minus 10. I probably won't touch the game at all just because it's a weird divisional game and you know how things work. Yeah, I, again, I, you're right. The, it's a weird divisional game, but every time we even want to give the Jets a little bit of credit, they get blown out of the fucking water. So until they show some sort of life, like just bet blindly against them every week, and you're—I mean, you would be six and zero so far. So um, we'll move on to the Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Washingtons. Washington is minus one. The over-under is 45. The Cowboys are who we thought they were. We said it at the beginning of the year that they're choke artists, that they're not as good as everyone wants to give them credit for. This is the same team that they've come into the year with the last three years who haven't won anything. And now you have Andy Dalton, who, you know, was a really good quarterback, uh, a decent quarterback in Cincinnati. 
but man, were they exposed against Arizona last week, and that was fun to watch, I will say. The other thing I'll get into is Ezekiel Elliott all of a sudden just a shitty running back? Is he just like really bad now for out of nowhere? Like who he got benched for Tony Pollard of all people. Would he fumble it like three He fumbled times? three times. Three freaking times. And I mean, I the I think Arizona's obviously a better team than Washington, but I would say Washington definitely has a better pass rush than Arizona. So they're de- they're 150% going to get to Andy Dalton this week. They're going to put a ton of pressure on him. Kyle Allen looked pretty good last week. They blew the game against the Gi- uh, Giants, right? Is that who they played? Yeah. They blew the game against the Giants, but they looked halfway competent doing it. Dallas is 0-6 against the spread. They are in Jets territory. Bad. And if it wasn't for a lucky onside recover and for... um. And I forgot who they played, but another team freaking absolutely. Um, yeah, hold on. Oh yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for Washington being or uh, the New York Giants being as bad as they are, they'd be zero six. And honestly, they would be New York Jets bad territory. So I'm on. I'm on the Washington Washingtons here. I think they should be able to win this game. Their defense should get enough pressure on Andy Dalton and. Uh, and make him make mistakes, and Zeke should, you know, they should be able to bottle up Zeke. Again, this is another week that I don't wish injury upon somebody, but I really want Washington to put in Alex Smith. I think he would just do so well here. Um, I mean, I kind of gave the Cowboys a little hope last week, thinking, all right, Andy Dolan started the in has been a starter in the NFL for like ten years now. I thought he would come in seamlessly. No, he looked terrible. Not just terrible. Their offense was not getting in rhythm, was not clicking drop balls after drop balls. Ezekiel, feed me more like fumble me. I mean, Jesus, the guy must have had popcorn right before he went out there. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I needed them to score a little more to get the over in that game. But, yeah, I'm a... Take the Washington Washingtons. Minus one, I mean, other than the Washington just being a terrible team, they actually have some talent that can show out here. And this is a divisional game, too. So, I mean, weird things happen all the time. You know, so give me me, uh, Washington minus one here, definitely. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the divisional... And the NFC East is just so atrociously bad this year. If they win it, they're in first place. If they win, they're in first place, which is absolutely freaking nuts. Um, I think the Eagles are in first place right now at one four and one or some no, or two four and one or some crazy one. number, <laughs> and they're in first place. So I mean, every game that's in the NFC East is like a pillow fight. Like, the pillow fight game of the week every time. So, yeah, we're both on Washington here. Dallas just can't figure it out. They're just not a talented team, especially when, you know, you lose your only good player who's Dak Prescott. Like, they're, they're going to be able to shut Zeke down. They're going to be able to shut Andy Dalton down. Washington should win this game. I mean, it may it may not be, like, by 21 points, but they I think they'll they'll pull it out. But we'll move on to the Packers at the Texans. 
Green Bay is minus three and a half. The over under is fifty seven. If Green Bay didn't get blown out like they did last week, this spread would be like six or seven. I I think personally. So give me Green Bay. This is another good bounce back spot. Um, they're not as bad as they showed last week. I, you know, everyone has a bad game. And like I said, we were starting to get a little bit too chalky and that's what, that's what happens. But yeah, like green Bay is still a good team. They had one bad week against a good team, team, especially exactly. And I think that was a good wake up call for them because Aaron Rodgers was starting to get a little bit way too fucking cocky for me. He did that little, like, yeah, the little, uh, hip, thrust yeah if you guys have seen the key and peel skit where he does like the little hip thrust he did that when they were up 10 nothing so i think they needed a little bit of a reality check and again like houston's not a good team they finally got a win but they're still not that great if you take deshaun watson out of the equation it's absolutely a god-awful team so yeah i'm on green bay minus three and a half here Aaron Rodgers cost me the win last week. In he put up two points as a quarterback. He put up two points. It was god awful and cost me my undefeated reputation on this show. I've never been so angry than when I was watching the Green Bay game. I mean, they just looked so bad. Um, what I think really happened is right before he did a little hip thrusting. He got smacked in the end zone when he ran that in, or right before it, smacked. And I think the whole game, right after that, he was worried for his life. And it showed. He was panicking. He was throwing balls too early, too soon. His O-line couldn't protect him from Madonna Kasu. They they were just in each other's face the whole game. Yeah, and they already, they already hate each other, which right. doesn't help. Right, right. So they were already going at each other crazy. I think you're right. They're gonna bounce back. It's gonna. I think they win by two touchdowns here against Houston. Um, Houston's just not a good team. The only good players on their team is Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson, and a healthy J.J. Watt. Whenever he's healthy, um, yeah, Green Bay's gonna bounce back here in a big way. Even if Aaron Jones doesn't play, I know he's like a game time decision. I heard they might not play him. He had a, a injury during practice this week. Really hope he plays. He's on my fantasy team. But if not, they have enough weapons. They have enough talent to run the table on these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think we really need to say much more about it. We're both on the uh, Packers here at the minus three and a half. We will get on to the Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Las Vegas Raiders. Tampa is minus four and a half at the moment. Now, this game still could be postponed. Um, Las Vegas is like entire offensive line went down with COVID. Um, so if this game does play, more than likely it's going to be with the Raiders' second unit on the offensive line. Um, the Buccaneers just signed Antonio Brown. He won't be back for this game. Do you think that actually hurts them? I think that kind of hurts them in the fact that, like, you already have really good receivers. Now it's just another mouth to feed. You know what I mean? Like, and supposedly Tom Brady is the one that pushed really, really hard for uh, Brown to come in. 
But, I mean, you already have Chris Godwin, who's one of the best route runners in the league. You have Mike Evans, who's probably one of the best deep men. Unless you push push Chris Godwin into the slot role, um, and then you're going to piss him off for diminishing his role when he's already proving that he can be a top guy in the NFL. It just seems like this is going to mess up the chemistry. And, and they went out and they beat the brakes off the Packers. Like, build on what you have. Like, don't bring in a guy that has – I think has mental health issues and is going to, I think he comes in and abs- absolutely derails this whole thing. That being said this week, I'm going to be on the Buccaneers minus four and a half just because I, the Raiders missing their offensive line is just huge. You know what I mean? Like I think they're, a, I think they're a better team than what we've given them credit for so far, but it just, this sets up like a really good week for Tampa. You know, if it wasn't for the whole offensive line thing, I would take the home dog here, plus the three and a half. But since the whole offensive line, they're having all these problems with COVID, I personally think this game was flexed to the afternoon game so that they can cancel it without issue. Mark doesn't believe me. We'll see tomorrow what happens. If they, you know, if there are more tests come positive or whatever the, the NFL decides to do with it. But my belief is that they flex this game to the afternoon. That way, if they do cancel the night game, that there is still a Sunday night football game, which is going to be a great game. We'll get to that one in a little bit. But as much as I wanted to take the Raiders here, and I hate the Raiders because, you know, I always take the home dogs plus the points. With the O-line being out, Tom Brady and, you know, the Buccaneers looking as good as they did, I think they're going to come in and, and win this game by at least a touchdown. Now, the Antonio Brown thing, even Bruce Arians said early in the year, there's no room. He's not a good fit here. We were not pursuing Antonio Brown. That wasn't until Chris Godwin went out. Mike Evans is playing every week with an injured ankle. You know, Ronald Jones is wishy-washy. Fucking Leonard Fournette is always questionable. So I think they – did it more as a depth thing in case one of those guys go out that they have an elite receiver. But at the same time, this guy hasn't played in two, three years. You know what I mean? You know, he's had tr- – who knows if he's been even – I know I've seen videos of him practicing here, there, and there. But, like, that's not the same as game time action. So we'll see what happens. Maybe he comes in and ruins another team. I've seen the meme of, like, a Reaper going door to door, like <laughs> Steelers, Patriots. So that could happen. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take, uh, Buccaneers by a touchdown here at least. I mean, they're going to come in to Las Vegas, still no fans, you know, they're, they're locked in. I mean, the thing with the depth is like Antonio Brown has shown that he's not okay being a depth guy. You know what I mean? Like he's such a prima donna that he needs to be the number one. And yeah, like him going into that locker room is just not a good fit with you already have two really good receivers. So, and and like you said, also Bruce Arians is like a no nonsense kind of guy. I remember watching them on a, they had like a little Amazon prime thing. Um, he cut a guy for being like, he, he parked in the wrong parking spot and they cut him. Bruce Arians cut him from Arizona. So uh, Antonio Brown is going to be on like the shortest leash possible that B.A. can find. And I just I don't think he wants them, honestly. I think it was a thing where um, 
Tom Brady kind of forced their hand and was like, no, I want this guy. You guys go get him to make me happy. And I think that's what they did for him. So we'll see what happens. Um, I just have to say one thing real quick before we move on. We're watching this Wyoming Nevada game and the, it is pissing me off so much. They keep showing this quarterback that just clearly broke his ankle is going to be done for the season. They keep showing this kid on the sideline, like crying and just like in, in, absolute despair like get the fucking camera off of this kid like they're showing yeah like they're showing him crying like on the phone like what are you doing cbs like that is the most unclassy thing like i get it like i i get that you have to like for entertainment value or whatever that's not entertaining yeah like you show the play maybe but when the kid is like, and they were, they showed him for like a minute straight, just like on this, on the, uh, medical bed, like crying, like get the fuck out of here. Like that is such an unclassy thing. Poor kid. Like now he's going to have to live with that being out there. Like them just like showing this kid freaking crying. Like that's, that's horrible. And shame on CBS. Like that, that was bad. Um, but yeah, I wait. So you're on the. Buccaneers. You're on the Buccaneers. I'm on the Buccaneers. Just lines up a little bit too well for them this week. All right. Next game on the docket is the Kansas City Chiefs. Minus seven and a half. The Broncos at home. The over-under is 44. Looks like they're expecting a low-scoring game here. Okay. Oh, that being said, I might take the Broncos at the plus seven and a half. I don't. Le'Veon Bell's here. He is playing. It just, again, it's a divisional game. I don't, the Broncos' defense looked pretty good against Cam Newton and the Patriots last week. I don't think by any means that the Broncos are going to win this game. But for just some reason, with the snow and everything going on, I think the Broncos can, like, weirdly keep this game close and cover the 7.5. I don't feel particularly good about it, but I'm just, I'm you know what? I'm going to go against the grain here. The Chiefs are 4-2 against the spread. They have shown a couple times that they played down to their competition. It just kind of seems like the Chiefs know they're so good that they only have to play like half-ass to win games. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think the Broncos can slow them down enough on offense to keep the 7.5 in play for most of the game and like get, maybe even get like a sneaky little backdoor cover. It's like, you know, I, I think... Yeah, right, like I think that's kind of what this will set up for especially with them thinking it's going to be around 44 like yeah, i think the broncos can score you know if they can score like 17 points i think they can cover the game even though it's snowing patrick mahomes thrives in the snow he loves snow games i mean you see clips of it all the time the last time he had a major snow game was against the indianapolis colts uh when we lost in the afc championship we went out to tear them a new asshole. Before that, or it might have been last year, we played the Denver Broncos in Kansas City. Snow game. Mahomes says everybody else is moving slower, and he's still moving at the same speed. He can spin it in everything coming from his mouth. So I think we're going to cover the seven. We'll probably win by like ten. They're going to get a couple of late late game touchdown just because that's what Andrew likes to do he likes to just you know hit the brakes a little bit make it interesting make Kansas City Chiefs fans sweat their ass off the whole game 
Um, the big update is we got Le'Veon Bell now. We don't necessarily need him with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire doing so well. You don't even really know what that's going to look like yet. Right, right. Because, yeah, Clyde Edwards had that ridiculous game last week. And, you know, who knows Who knows what the usage is for Lev Bell at that point. Is he just going to come down in on third down and, you know, just be in there for uh, pass-catching reasons? Like, are they letting CEH, like, just go nuts in, on the ground? Because, like I said – he had a he had a really good game last week, so I don't think you mess with that necessarily because the kid's showing that he can play and he can put up big numbers. And no, exactly, and that's exactly how they uh, how I think they're going to use him. Clyde's going to get all the touches, and Bell's going to get the goal line stance in the third down and short because it showed that Clyde only has one or two touchdowns and we've oh, we've been in the one and you know five zone a lot and he just can't get it done he's just a little guy he, it's easier to make moves in open field and when you have a lot more space but when you're in that condensed end zone they load the box too much for him i think that's where they're just gonna give it to Le'Veon bell and he's gonna make his way in so i don't see much usage out of bell maybe a couple of screen plays and that but I do think our red zone efficiency will go up for that reason, and we are already one of the best teams in the red zone. So, yes, I do think we'll win by 10. Um, the under looks kind of – I know it's snowing. 44 is kind of low. Um, I mean, 44 is the lowest I've seen a Chiefs game in two years. So, uh, apparently the books think that they're going to come out and I think I think what they're doing is they're giving the Chiefs defense a little more credit because we shut down the Bills last week. You know, they couldn't get anything going against us. We looked really good, and we ran the ball down their throats, hence why the game went under. So they think we keep that same tactic. It might be a, a run-happy game here. So I'm taking Chiefs minus 10 or minus 7.5 to 10. I, I think they win by 10. Uh, he's taking Broncos plus seven and a half for a backdoor cover. Yeah, and like you said, like if the Chiefs won by 10, I would not be surprised at all. If they won bigger than that, again, would not be surprised at all. But just something tells me that the Broncos can keep this close this week. Um, We'll move on to the 49ers at the Patriots. The Patriots are minus two and a half. The over-under is 44. I still cannot tell if these teams are good or not. I mean... The, the 49ers kind of look like they're finally sort of healthy again for, you know, for the most part. Come out and make it look pretty easy against the Rams, who we'll get to because Chris and I are kind of starting to think that the Rams are, you know, a, a paper dragon here. And then the Patriots looked good for the first couple weeks and, you know, they lose Cam Newton so you can't really hold that against them too much, but then Cam comes back and it was their worst offensive showing of the year against this a Broncos team that didn't score a touchdown and you know had to kick six field goals to win the game. Um, yeah, and that was the first time in uh, Bill Belichick's career that they've lost without a team scoring a touchdown. I thought they got a touchdown late. No, it was eighteen. No, the the Patriots got a touchdown oh, late. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know where I lean on this game. 
I think the Niners are a better team than the Patriots still. And like I said, what we saw from the Patriots last week was not encouraging in the slightest. So, yeah, I'm just I'm going to take the Niners at the plus two and a half. Um, I like them on the money line at plus 135. Yeah, give me the Niners here. I agree. I'm, I'm going to take the Niners. Now, do you think the Patriots playing so badly because they didn't have practice that week because of the whole COVID thing and, you know, Cam coming in with not so many reps and, you know what I mean? Maybe through their whole, their whole spiel off, their whole uh, system off. But... I don't think the Patriots are good. The only players they have is Cam Newton. You know, who's a running that who's a running back? Rex Burkhead? Like, come on now. Yeah. So I think the Niners, as bad as they looked against the Eagles, and I said last week they'd bounce back, they bounced back in a mind boggling way. They looked great last week. I think they come into New England, win this game outright. Um you got George Kittle. If if Jimmy Garoppolo can throw the ball half as decent as he did last week, their defense is going to shut down New England, shut down Cam's running. Uh, yeah, I like them to come in and take out the New England cheat traits. Um, As far as your question before, does them being out affect them? I think it affects them to a certain point, but there's a lot of teams that have been affected by this at this point. And they haven't looked as bad as the Patriots did. So, I mean, they, I mean, like I, I think they'll play better. I, they're not going to play as bad as they did against the Broncos, but I, I still think the 49ers are good enough to, to at least keep their offense in check and score enough points. Like Jimmy G looked actually pretty decent last week. And like you said, if he plays half as good or, you know, if he plays even better than he did last week, this should be a pretty easy win for the uh, 49ers. So we're both on the Niners at the plus two and a half. I think we both like them on the money line here. Um, We'll move on to the Jaguars at the Chargers. The Chargers are minus seven and a half. The over-under is 49. Now, everyone thinks that Justin Herbert is like the best rookie quarterback now. And he's he's looked the part. He's looked the part. I, I I will give him that. But seven and a half for a team that's one and four. I mean, I, I think they're they're better. They're better than that one and four record. I will say that. And they are four and one against the spread, but at the same time that four and one is because the line was just so inflated against every team that they've played. Like I think the Chargers win this game, but by like a touchdown. I think that hook is going to come into play. I really do. And for that alone, I think I'm just going to take the Jaguars at the plus seven and a half. I I mean that's really all I'm going to say is I I just don't think the Chargers are worthy or have really proven that they're a seven and a half point favorite to anybody yet. See, I disagree. They're four and one against the spread, yes, because of the inflated numbers. But I mean, this team is playing out of their mind, and they've lost the last like nineteen games or something by a touchdown or less. So they're in these games. It's not like they're getting blown out. They're in these games against good teams. But yeah, but you just said 
so many of their losses have come by one possession. So that alone should tell you that this is going to be a close game. This should be a close possession game. But do you think it's on them or do you think it's on the coaching? You know what I mean? Because I've seen some questionable calls like they go for the two or they kick the field goal when the, you know they should have went for the touchdown and tried to do it that way. So who knows who it really comes down to. I know that they have a lot of talent on that team and that they've been playing really good teams lately, and they've kept it close against these really good teams. I'm going to take the 7.5. You might be right about the hook. If you're listening to this, buy the hook. Buy a point maybe. Get it to 6.5. Get it to 7 so at least you push and get your money back um, just in case he's right about the hook. I hate the hook. The hook with you live or die by it, and most of the time I die by the hook. So that's why they put it there. That's why why I am a firm believer. If you don't parlay, buy the hook. But like you just said, though, is it the players or is it the coaches? I definitely think it's both. I the 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 players don't execute the game plan well enough, and the coaches are not good enough, obviously, to close games or anything like that. So. I think, like you said, they'll make enough mistakes or, you know, either the players or the coaches to let the Jaguars hang around in this game. So, if, like you said, if it gets down, like, less than a touchdown, I'm not particularly liking this game. But at the 7.5, yeah, give me the Jags. Um, we will move on to the Monday night game. The Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. The Seahawks are coming into Arizona at minus three and a half. The over-under is 55. This game was flexed into primetime because, you know, as much as Chris wants to not give Arizona the credit, this is the best game of the week. And, yeah, you flex the best game into Sunday night. Um, that being said, I don't... I... They're obviously my team. Love Arizona. But they beat the Jets and they beat the Cowboys. Two teams aren't exactly, you know, firing on all cylinders right now. Um, so as much, uh, I don't know, because I, I want to take the Arizona plus three and a half as the home dogs. Um the Cardinals did get Marcus Golden back, who was a very good pass rusher um, for them until he went to the Bears, then the Giants, but now he's back with us. I will take Arizona at the plus three and a half. Um, I think Arizona's kind of hitting their stride right now. And Seattle's defense, again, it just has not been great. Um, if the C- if the Seahawks cover this game, it's solely going to be that Russell Wilson just carried this team on his back again. And it, it's very possible. But I think Arizona, they always, even when the Cardinals are a bad team, they play the Seahawks tough. With a few outliers, there's been some games where the Seahawks have absolutely blown Arizona out of the water. But for the most part, Arizona plays Seattle tough. It's a division game. Um, and in a division game with two good teams, yeah, I'll take the team that is getting points at home. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be on Arizona at the plus three and a half here. Even though they played a, a ba- bad, uh, two bad teams, as in the Jets and the Cowboys, I love the Cardinals here. 
I think your offense will expose Seattle's defense, just like you said. If Seattle wins, it's solely on Russell Wilson's back. Um, the Seattle Seahawks are known to not play well in Arizona. Um, it's always close. I think Kyler Murray comes out. They're going to win this game outright. I'll take the the three points because you you know you take them. It's a gimme, but I think they're going to come out, win the game outright, and make Russell Wilson look bad. Give them their first loss of the season. There's only going to be one team at the end of this week with you know with a perfect record still, and it ain't going to be Seattle. It's probably going to be the Steelers, like I said. But the Cardinals are going to come out. I think win this game, cover the three and a half, if not. Uh, they're just home field dogs. I, I go by that mo- motto, take the home field dog, especially with more talent at wide receiver in defense. The Cardinals defense might shut down Metcalf and Lockett and maybe keep Russell Wilson in that pocket. And yes, he's still a good pocket passer, but he's way more dangerous when he's scrambling out there for his life and making these unbelievable throws. So give me Arizona. All right, yeah, I'm excited for this game. It's going to really show what Arizona is. And like at the end of the day, if they get blown out, then Arizona might be a little overrated. If they win this game straight up, then I'm excited, and Arizona actually can be for real. Um, we will move on to the Monday night game, the Chicago Bears at the Rams. Um, right now, the Bears are plus six. The over-under is 45.5. We talked about this a little bit. The Rams, we were both starting to like the Rams until they got blown out by the 49ers. And we don't really like to overreact to win a loss. You know, it happens. It's the NFL. You're going to lose games you should win sometimes. You're going to win games you shouldn't. But the Rams are 4-2. and two. All four wins are against the NFC least. So are the Rams a good team or... Are they a product of how bad and how easy their schedule has been so far? If that's the case, again, the Bears are probably the worst 5-1 and one team in the league, but they're winning, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. And you give me a team that's 5-1 five and one at plus 5.5, and, and we really don't know how good the Rams are, give me the, give me the Bears. I'll take, I'll take a Big Dick and Nick and, and ride with the 5.5 here. And I didn't even know that until you brought that up to me last night that they've only the only wins they have are against the NFC East, which is hands down the worst it division. It honestly holds a lot of weight. It really does because when they played a halfway decent, decent team in the Niners, they got blown out. The Chicago Bears defense has been freaking great lately. Big Dig Nick is in. He's taken over that team. He's a 20 times better quarterback than, what's his name? Why, brain fart. Who? Rams. Uh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Sorry, guys. Brain fart. Jared Goff overpaid. We were on the Rams. Trust me, I was on the Rams. I was high on the Rams. And I still was up until last night when I figured out this, what you told me, that they played these teams. I'm like, I didn't even notice it. And then it makes so much sense why they look so bad against the Niners because they actually played a halfway decent team. So, yes, give me the Bears out right here. I, if their defense can shut these guys down and, and Nick Foles can get away from Aaron Donald a little bit, just enough to toss it over their heads, pull a little Philly special out or Chicago special out, then 
give me them plus six money line. I think there's going to be a big upset on Monday Night Football here, honestly. Yeah, I like it. Um, we do have picks or locks for the week. You have yours ready? No? I have mine. I'm going with Carolina plus seven. I love Carolina here. Teddy Brid- This is a team that Teddy Bridgewater knows. He knows this team. He knows what he can and can't do against this team. Even without Christian McCaffrey, they've been winning. They've been competitive. They can at least cover the seven points. Um, the Saints offense has not looked great already, and you're still missing Michael Thomas. Now you're missing Emmanuel Sanders. I, I think uh, I think the Panthers keep this close and cover the seven. Lock them in at the plus seven. It's redemption week. I'm going on another tear. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna pick the same team that ended it for me last week. The Green Bay Packers will cover this three and a half spread against the Texans. And if they don't, I will never give them out as a pick again. I don't care if they cover for the rest of the year. If they lose me two weeks in a row, my perfect picks, I'm done. I'm I'm, I'm even gonna take Aaron Rodgers off my fantasy league. No, I won't. But still, they're going to bounce back. The Texans are, are just terrible. They're, they have no leadership, no nothing, no weapons. Will Fuller, they talked about trading Will Fuller. That's your whole team. That's who, the only person you, they throw to. You know, Brandon Cooks is on their team. Right, Brandon Cooks? Brandon Cooks is on yeah, the team, but yeah, he's he hasn't done much. Right so, give me Green Bay. They're going to go in there, run the table on these guys. Lock of the week. Green Bay Packers, minus three and a half. If there's an alternate spread, like minus seven, take it. They win by a touchdown at least. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. Green Bay, minus three and a half, and the Carolina Panthers at plus seven. Um, You guys have all the rest of our picks. Will the Steelers prove me wrong? They have so far, but I was not willing to give them their credit yet. I will. Like Chris said, you guys heard it here. If the Steelers pull it out this week against the Titans, I will have to give them their credit, and I cannot deny it anymore. But thank you guys, as always, for listening. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll see how we do. We're getting back on that lock train. We're going to go 2-0 this week. Cannot wait to watch the games tomorrow. Cannot wait to watch a little Cardinal Sunday night football. We will see you guys next week. As always, thank you for listening. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Spotify, iTunes, leave a comment, leave a like, share it with your friends. We always appreciate it. You guys have a great day. We'll see you next week. See ya.